Wonderful. I invite you to stand together as we look at God's Word together this morning. We'll be sharing from a portion of the ninth chapter of Mark's Gospel. I invite you to join as we share in the reading of God's Word. They entered Capernaum. When they had come into a house, he asked them, What were you arguing about during the journey? They didn't respond, since on the way they had been debating with each other about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be least of all and servant of all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Maybe seated. Well, it took a while, but the election is over. We uh, <laughs> we've elected a new president, and this election was perhaps the most contentious and the most unconventional campaign in American history. And after all the campaigning and after all the polling and all the negative ads, we the people have elected Donald Trump as our next president. Now, as with every election, the results are bound to leave one group elated and excited in victory and to leave another group disappointed and anxious in defeat. And this year we could probably even add a third group of those who did not feel they could vote for either candidate. And I suspect that all three of those groups are represented among us this morning. But regardless of your political preferences, we as Christians share a common responsibility. And that is that because of our faith in God and our trust in God and because of obedience to God's word, we have a responsibility as the body of Christ to support our leaders, to encourage our leaders, and most importantly, to pray for them. I was thinking about my message today, and obviously the election has been on all of our hearts and minds, and as I was thinking about the message, I thought, what if I was given the opportunity to speak to the president-elect? What would I say? As a pastor in the Christian church and a representative of the church, what would I want to convey? And so I've given some thought to that. And and by the way, this is extremely important. The title of the message, A Word to President Blank. The name was omitted on purpose because, to be perfectly honest, the vast majority of what I plan to say today was prepared before we knew which of the candidates would be elected. And so my remarks are those that I would make to either. 
And so my remarks, hopefully I think you'll, you'll agree, are nonpartisan today. What if I had the opportunity to speak to them? I think I would begin by reminding either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump of today's passage, which draws and draws some comparisons about the campaigns that they have waged the last two years. In our passage, the disciples are arguing with one another about who's the greatest, who's the best, who's the favorite, who is a better leader. And I would suggest to the two candidates that that's pretty much is what the two of them have engaged in in their campaigns for the last two years. Arguing with one another about who's more qualified, who has the better ideas, who would be the better leader. And obviously that's, that's part of the political process. That's what campaigns are all about. But then I would remind the president of what Jesus said to those dueling disciples when he said, whoever wants to be the greatest must be like a servant. You see, greatness is not about position and power. It is about being a servant. And I would say, if I had the opportunity, Mr. President, that, I believe, is what Christ would say to you as you begin to take this office. You fought hard to win an election. Now you have a great opportunity. A tremendous power and influence has been placed before you and is at your disposal. History will determine your greatness or lack of based on your role as a servant. And then I would say to the president-elect, you don't need my advice. You have at your disposal the brightest, the keenest minds in all the world. But if you don't mind, let me share with you some words of insight and wisdom from God's Word that I think can help you become a true servant leader and make the most of this opportunity you've been given. Three simple words. The first would be this. President Trump, be sure to listen. Listen. Listen to your constituents. Listen to those who voted for you. Listen to those who did not. Listen to those who agree with you. Listen to those who do not agree with you. If for no other reason, take a posture of listening because that will go a long, long way in this process of healing that's so important. We as a nation are extremely divided over lots of issues today. We've seen that over the last few days. Mr. President, when people are angry and when they're hurting, they cry out. You cannot possibly accommodate all of their wishes and desires. But let those who did not vote for you or disagree with you, let them know that their voices can be heard. I believe that's going to go a long way in calming fears and creating a climate of working together. 
Listening is critical to effective leading. I would remind you, Mr. President, of the words of Proverbs twelve fifteen. Fools see their own way as right, but the wise listen to advice. And then consider Matthew 11. Jesus, one of his favorite phrases after Jesus would share some word of insight or wisdom to people, he would look at them and say, those of you who have ears to hear, hear. Listen. President Trump, I believe that the best thing for you to do to bring healing and strength to our nation is to make a deliberate point to listen. One of the most effective ways to alienate people and make them is to make them feel unheard and unnoticed. One of the most effective ways to gain their cooperation and their respect is to listen. Mr. President, today a lot of people in this country are very excited about your presidency. Others are scared and apprehensive. I believe that listening will help build bridges to healing. I'd make it one of your most important priorities. And then secondly, I would offer this word, Mr. President, Learn. Learn. The greatest leaders are learners. Those who, though they have tremendous knowledge and insight themselves, know that there's more, so much more for them to learn. Mr. President, I remind you of the wisdom of Proverbs 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. And from Proverbs 9, Teach the wise and they will become wiser. Inform the righteous and their learning will increase. The consistent message of Scripture is that ongoing learning is pivotal to effective leadership. Mr. President, devote yourself to learning. Learn from the presidents before you. Learn from their mistakes. Learn from their successes. Mr. President, one of the greatest persons writing about leadership in America the last 10 or 15 years is a fellow by the name of John Maxwell. He teaches leadership to corporate executives, business leaders, pastors, And a few years ago in his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, he talks about the importance of learning from others as a key component of leading. So much so that when John Maxwell was a young pastor starting out, he wanted to maximize that opportunity. He wanted to be the best that he could possibly be. So you know what he did? He identified the top ten leaders in the Christian church in that day. And he wrote him a letter. And he said, I'll give you $100 if you'll give me 30 minutes of your time. Just let me come into your office, sit down, pick your brain, listen to everything you have to offer about leadership. And so John Maxwell, in the first few years of uh, his ministry, 
He planned his family vacations around those locations where he could take a day and go and sit down with a great leader to learn. Great leaders are great learners. And then lastly, I would say, Mr. President, this is perhaps more important than anything else. Learn to lean. Lean on God more than ever before. There's perhaps no more stressful or important job in all the world than the one that's been handed to you. You more than any single person, your actions, your words will have an impact on people here and around the world. This office will require levels of personal sacrifice like none other. Your time will no longer be your own. Because of this office that you hold, you'll be scrutinized constantly. Secret service will follow you everywhere you go. Every day, you will be making decisions that will affect millions of people, some of which will have life and death consequences. So for your sake and for our sake, Don't try to do this on your own strength and power. Realize now more than ever that you need the wisdom and strength and guidance that comes from God. And whatever your faith is currently, decide today to make it even more and more and more as you move into this important office. Heed the words of the psalmist, or the writer of Proverbs in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will make your ways straight. Consider the wisdom of Jeremiah when he writes, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. Let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. Great presidents before you have so leaned on faith in God. It was our first president, George Washington, who said, and I quote, It is impossible to govern the world without God in the Bible. It was our fourth president, James Madison, who said, We have staked the whole future of American civilization not upon the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. It was Abraham Lincoln who said of the Bible, In regard to this great book, I have to say it is the best gift God has given to mankind. All the good Savior all that the good Savior was communicated through this book. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. 
and things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found portrayed in it. Mr. President, it was a more recent predecessor of yours, President Ronald Reagan, who who wrote these words. Without God, there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience. Without God, we are mired in the material, that flat world that tells us only what the senses perceive. Without God, there is a coarsening of the society. And without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. If I could just make a personal statement on my own, Reagan says, in these first three and a half years, I have understood and known better than ever before the words of Lincoln when he said that he would be the greatest fool on this footstool called earth if he ever thought that for one moment he could perform the duties of this office without help from the one who is stronger than all. Mr. President, in just a few weeks, you'll take the oath of office. You'll stand before the nation, place your hand on the Bible, and say, I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States. And I will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And then, Mr. President, I I hope that you will add the words that are actually not in the oath, but that were first uttered by George Washington and used by most every president since. The simple words, so help me God. Because of the enormity of your task, you will need, as those before you have needed, the sustaining power, grace, and wisdom of God. We will be praying for you as you begin this awesome and historic task. And that completes the content of what I would like to say to the new president. But now I have a challenge for for all of us. Last Tuesday, I hope that most of us exercised our constitutional right to vote. Or maybe you were one of the early voters. But chances are, when you voted, you stood in a line. And depending upon what day it was, or what time of day, it could have been a very long line. But you did it, because it was that important. As people of God this morning, I want to ask you to do one more thing. I want to ask that we, as people of faith and hope and trust in God, come to this altar and pray 
for our new president. Setting aside what our political preferences might be. Pray for our president. Pray for Congress. Pray for our nation. Second Chronicles 7.14 is that familiar passage. We all know it. Where God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Our response, our responsibility today as people of God is to pray. Those prayers are more important now than ever before. And I invite you and invite me to come. Regardless of who we voted for, let us pray for God's guidance and God's direction and God's wisdom to fall upon our new president. David's going to play softly on the organ and we're going to take... uh, whatever time we need to be in prayer. You may have to stand in line. Go figure. Because others may already be in prayer. But you stay in that line. And you make that commitment to come and pray and lift him up. It's important that the president know that the church, the body of believers, is committed to praying for him as he begins his time in office. I want him to know uh, what we said and what we did this morning. And therefore, as you leave this morning, if you're interested, uh, there are sheets of paper on the narthex, on a desk in the narthex right outside the doors, uh, where an opportunity for you to sign your name as a part of this message that will be delivered. If you feel so inclined, uh, feel free to do so. If you don't, that is, that is okay. Let us continue uh, to devote ourselves to doing our part in building uh, this great nation and ensuring that it continues always to be a nation guided by and committed to faith and trust in Almighty God.